This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, Katie Rich here. I'm excited to share the newest podcast from our friends over at The New Yorker, Critics at Large. Join Vincent Cunningham, Nomi Fry, and Alexandra Schwartz as they discuss their current obsessions, find unexpected connections to classic texts, and debate the latest in books, TV, film, and pop culture. It is everything from Salman Rushdie to The Real Housewives. Each episode of Critics at Large looks at the big moments and ideas which shape our culture. In this premiere episode, the hosts take on the new Elon Musk biography and ask why so much of our culture mythologizes tech founders. Keep listening for a preview and make sure you're following Critics at Large wherever you're tuning in now. Welcome to Critics at Large, a new podcast from The New Yorker. I'm Vincent Cunningham. I'm Alex Schwartz. And I'm Nomi Fry. Each week, the three of us come together to make sense of what's happening in the culture right now and how we got here. So today we're going to discuss a new biography of Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson. It's an interesting read because it comes at a time where Musk is like, Everywhere. His cars are on our roads. His satellites are in our skies. Deciding war <laughs> outcomes, by the way. Um, his tweets are on our phones. But it also struck me as I read this book that it doubles as a study of the myth of the tech founder that's so much with us these days. Could, could we play a quick game? Um, Please. So, <laughs> Games. Please. Yay. Well, you're welcome. Um, I'll, I'll start first, too. What is one word that comes to your mind when you think of, like, the tech genius? Just a word. I'll start. Turtleneck. Oh, my God. That was my word. Go, well, get another one. Quick. Uh, uh, um, uh, arrogance. That's boring. Turtleneck was my word. Damn. <laughs> Psychopath. Mm. Um, uh, um, <laughs> Too much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no Too true. far? Um, like, fake hippie. Dr. Strangelove. Uh, awkward. These are all valid. And and maybe they'll come up later. There are no wrong <laughs> answers in this game. There's no wrong answers. Today we're going to look at Musk for as long as we can stand to. But then we'll go beyond him to think about this archetype, the lone founder somewhere near Silicon Valley, who against all odds changes our lives and the history of our culture. Um, Musk typifies this, but how much of that is just myth-making? Why do so many of us cling to this idea? Um, so... Maybe let's let's just start with the book. Let's start with Isaacson's biography, which, by the way, I just to tell a quick story. It caused a lot of trouble for me um, this this week. I first I accidentally, while moving my daughter into her dorm room, brought it into her dorm room, and it caused a big problem. Um, what was the problem? The problem was I hadn't taken off the dust jacket yet. The cover of this book is Musk with like his ha hands in like prayer hands, looking out at you, uh, very like fake Steve Jobs mm -hmm. looking sort of like 
trying to reach some sort of profundity. Um, and my daughter was like, is this for me? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's like, because she's like a computer science person. Because you don't think I like him, do you? I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. And then when I got on the plane where I read the bulk of this book, I, I took off the dust jacket. It was a weird source of shame for me. It did See, it did not occur to me until I came into this recording room and saw your naked book that I could have done this because, <laughs> interesting, I too have had a great amount of shame merely walking around in public trying to find places to read it. I mean, yesterday as I was finishing, I, I was camping next to a bush at a local coffee shop and I was just felt very shaded by the presence of this bush from anyone who might be walking by. <laughs> You know, why? It's why like reading. You... It's like reading porn in public or something. Yeah, I just want people. <laughs> it felt well because I, I think it's for me it, reading is this, porn. <laughs> I mean, way, Vincent, like for you, I guess your daughter was was just you know not wanting to be associated with Elon Musk at the beginning of her. She didn't want to be like career. the Musk and, girl. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, the, the Musk girl. Famously right. loves Elon. Right, senior Elon year, Musk. everyone's like, remember when your dad brought that biography? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. that's interesting though because I think also I mean it's so context-based, right? So in in these spaces where you guys, you know, uh, uh, Vincent in this dorm room and Alex, you in, you know, Brooklyn, uh, were feeling also a little bit bashful about this. But of course, we should remember that this biography is flying off the shelves yes. yeah. and bought not as a hate read of a person who it's embarrassing to be, you know, pursuing his life path, but as an ideal, a model yeah. by so many people. And and hence, here lies one of the tensions, right? Yeah. That this is a person who is extremely divisive. And where does this biography stand yeah. in relation to this divisiveness? How, yeah. how close is Isaacson to Musk and how far is he from Musk, you yeah. know, um, so let's, in telling let's his with, life story. Yeah. yeah. Let's start with the text then. Let's just like go straight into the book. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of, what were your initial impressions of the book? Well, okay. First of all, I just want to briefly not start with the text. I'm going to go back to the text, but I just think people who have not seen this book should know that the cover is exactly as Vincent described with this kind of cult-like portrait of Elon Musk um, with his hands in prayer position. But the back is to me, um, you know, a, a, a vulgar image. The back, the back <laughs> is a picture of a rocket. It's just, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, Gary Steingart called it a penis in, it, in his you. Guardian so review, right? I don't need right? to. Yeah. yeah. It's just like basically, <laughs> so I mean, it's the expectations set up by the cover of this book are of a hagiography. That's what we're getting. Um, this approach to biography to me is like riding a mechanical bull. Um, you can feel Walter Isaacson just trying to hang on to the details of the life. Uh, there are a lot of details. Elon Musk has done a lot of things. He's founded a lot of companies. He's launched a lot of rockets. He's created a lot of products. He's caused a lot of turmoil. Um, and the approach is very straightforwardly chronological. We're going to begin at the beginning. We're going to advance bit by bit up through every year. We're going to detail the relationships, the divorces. We're going to go to Tesla, to Starlink, to Twitter, now called X, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I felt at a certain point that the real thread and the plot was getting lost. Um, I, I felt that this was almost like notes for a biography in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, there's no perspective here. Yeah, the perspective, I think, I agree with you, Alex. The As I was reading, I felt the perspective was getting lost as well. And uh, um, there's no real questioning, again, not even in a negative way, but there's no questioning if the axioms that um, 
Musk is presenting and, and Isaacson is ventriloquizing in this book and their validity. So, for instance, just, just one example, there's a constant return to Musk's uh, devotion to the idea of interplanetary expansion, right? We have to do this because we have to uh, save the human race. And it's just presented as fact, right? I mean, it's presented— We have to be a multiplanetary species. We have to be a multiplanetary species. And I'll do—and this is worth everything else. Like, it's I'll do anything in order for us to to get there. And it's just kind of um, accepted as gospel. I'm like— Wait, is it? Is it? I, I get that Musk is saying it, but the book is just presenting it as truth, essentially. Yeah. You know, um, I, I felt quite impressed, and certainly it's not something I would ever be able to do uh, in the kind of like reporting and information and gathering and organizing of this book. And I just, you, the, I think you'd be able to do it. Well. <laughs> Thank you, I'm sorry to say. I, I'm, well, I'm not, no, no, no shade yeah, to Walter I mean, Isaacson. I think you could do it. No, no, thank you. But but it's just it's 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 a large project that is executed. I, I just I just want to give props. You it's know a what large I mean? Project that is executed. <laughs> that sounds really bad. If my editor but, wrote that to me, I would crawl into a hole and die. It is it is large. No, but you but, have executed guys. It. But you know what I mean. Well, this is what I mean about the mechanical bull a bit. I yeah. felt like there were moments when I did not, and <laughs> it's I really a large don't. Project that is executed. Well, sorry. I, it, no, you're right. Yeah. and I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, it's it's there's a ton of information to try to metabolize. Yes, um, exactly. However, I felt frequently. Uh, and I really don't mean this as shade to Isaacson. Actually, I kind of do. Um, I just didn't feel he'd metabolized it. I wasn't sure yeah. if he knew what a bee nut was when he said that the bee nut might no. be to blame no, for the failure just... of the of the second launch. Yeah. You know, um, off the Marshall Island atoll. Like I, I don't know if he knows yeah. what that is. A lot of it felt to me. You could hear Elon in the room quickly explaining what this or that thing was. Um, you know, and the sources, the main sources of the book are. Brother, you know his brother, Kimball. Kimball. I would have said Kendall because succession is <laughs> succession I mean, is ever really, close to a story so like this. Ever close, yeah. The, the, yeah, there are a lot of facts. A lot yes. of things that happen, but they are but, yeah, <laughs> so many facts. But they're all unsynthesized. Like for one, for just one thing that like you can notice through this is like the total acceptance as like sure that makes sense of like giving over things that used to be public to the private sector. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, OK, we, we do these things faster than Boeing and we do this, th- these things faster than these other aerospace companies sucking on the teat of government, I think yeah. Elon says at one point. And SpaceX can do this better. And that is a something that you notice throughout the book, but it's never tied together by Isaacson. It's something that is a, a, a theme of Elon's. But Isaacson never intervenes as a, to your point, Alex, critical presence to say to show us like there is politics around this. The other thing that he never really shows us is. Okay, your grandfather decided to move to apartheid South Africa and you grew up in that milieu. What does that mean about how you think about other people? Like we don't see him as a product of history. We only see him as like a, a maker of things, but we never see what currents he's oh, subject so, to. I so would, totally yeah, true. I yeah. Mean, I would argue not only does he not notice this or acknowledge it, I think Isaacson is actively um, obfuscating the history. I mean, I know Jill Lepore made this point in her review for The New Yorker uh, that she wrote of the book. But, you know, to to pick up on that detail that you're mentioning, Vincent, about the history and the context for um, for 
Elon's family. Yeah, his maternal grandparents moved to South Africa in 1950. And Isaacson says, and I noticed this the second I read it, you know, Isaacson says um, apartheid was still the the law of the land. No, no, no. Apartheid had just been instituted as the law of the land two years before. We're not talking about moving to South Africa in 1989. Yeah. and Jill Porter's also published a really fascinating piece on on the website about the deep anti-Semitism yeah. uh, and fascistic yeah, beliefs of of the of the grandfather, which Isaacson calls quirky, quirky, His quirky political quirky. beliefs. Yeah, he likes to fly planes. So we have a problem. We have a problem. Big problem. Uh, this this issue of Isaacson and his framing maybe helps us move to what is this archetype that we're dealing with? What kind of person is Musk supposed to be in his own eyes and in ours. We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, what do Musk and Batman have in common? (laughs) You're only going to find out here. (laughs) Stick around. If you loved this preview, make sure to follow and listen to Critics at Large from The New Yorker, wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in next week for two new episodes of Little Gold Men. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts.